Welcome to Cloudy with a Chance of Brain, the podcast where we bring the cloud down to earth by talking with some of the top minds in the industry. I'm Alex Sage. And I'm Alistair Hodge. We work as consultants for CloudSoft, helping customers get the most out of the cloud. Our guest today is Joe Daly, Director of Cloud Optimization at a leading US insurer and financial services company, Nationwide. Joe is also a member of the Technical Advisory Council of the FinOps Foundation, and we're delighted to welcome him to the pod. Hello, Joe. Tell us about yourself. Hey, hey, Alistair and Alan. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I am the Director of Cloud Optimization Services at Nationwide, not, not the UK uh, building uh, Nationwide, uh, but the United States domestic insurer and financial services company, like you said. Um, get, get that confusion a lot at events like reInvent and whatnot. Um, yeah, I, I've been in the FinOps space for over five, five, it's it's hard to count with uh, pandemic time, but uh, between five, six years now, I've been working on leading FinOps teams uh, at two uh, Fortune 100 companies, um, spreading the good work of FinOps uh, and, and growing adoption across enterprises. For that, I, I'm not uh, a, a technical engineer by training. I'm actually a tax accountant by training. Uh, did years in tax accounting and in corporate finance. Um, landed up in a stint in IT finance. And uh, for anyone who's set up a fixed asset uh, it, it, in their IT space, um, understanding that depreciation uh, and, and fixed assets in IT are just a often for a large enterprise, the largest source of assets and depreciation. Um, and so there's a lot of financial scrutiny in that area. And that led me into IT, uh, a unexplained stint as VMware operations manager, which as a finance guy, not great at that role. It was not my finest uh, year of my career. However, it did get me into a place where I was ready to um, take advantage of the cloud uh, when that came through and understand and properly understand all the benefits uh, of the cloud. And, and uh, from there, it just, it grew into a FinOps position pretty naturally, actually. Couldn't couldn't have planned it if I tried, but uh, it's been a fun ride. Sounds like it. That's amazing. Um, so you say you've been doing FinOps for six years. I mean, FinOps has been a thing for that long? Uh, <laughs> I think the word FinOps has only been around for three uh, and I remember, I remember talking to J.R. Stormont, the director of uh, the executive director of the FinOps Foundation, and he said, "We're going to call it FinOps." And I rolled my eyes, saying that that word will never take off. Um, and I, I was wrong. It's it's been a thing. Uh, FinOps, cloud financial management. Um, I've gone. I, I went with uh, six years ago. I went with cloud optimization. Um, that's, that's also gets thrown around every now and then, but whatever you want to call it, it's all, it's all the same good principles underneath it. Yeah. Wasn't a name, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so cloud costs are so often a concern for big and small organizations. So mm-hmm. why do you think it is such a pain? Oh, it's, it's because it's, it's all of a sudden your expenses are acting or behaving in ways that, that companies aren't used to before. Um, you know, like I, like I talked about depreciation, you spend the cash, you set up an asset on your accounting books, um, and then it's depreciated over three or five years, uh, depending on what your company's accounting policy is. It's a fixed, it turns into a fixed cost, a known quantity. Um, the, the problem is like once it's, once it starts, there's no, there's no, there's very little that can stop that expense. 
uh, going forward each year. Um, but now you're, and, and, and the behavior of the asset didn't necessarily influence your expense. But now in the cloud, in a variable cost model, the behavior of the asset, well, it's not even an asset anymore in most cases, the behavior of the compute resource or the IT resource is directly impacting the financial impact. Um, but uh, the, the other side of this, um, where, where companies are starting to learn and, and grow in that FinOps adoption, is to how to react uh, preventively, or either react, reactionarily or preventively, to control that expense, to make sure that it's, it's doing driving the most value for you. Absolutely. And yeah, those pains you've listed are also the benefits of using cloud that you Absolutely. can actually uh, adjust your behavior. Uh, you can optimize over time. You can pay for only the resources that you leave running. Uh, yeah. And yet that those same benefits are also the things that cause it to be such a pain for people. Exactly. Exactly. It's, 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 it's a new skill set that you can use to your advantage, or if you don't use your advantage, it will it will be used against it will be used to your disadvantage. A double-edged sword of cloud. Mm -hmm. There you go. So you mentioned the FinOps Foundation, and within the mm -hmm. foundation, you're you're on the technical advisory council. So you kind of have quite a prominent, quite a prominent role um, in, in the FinOps space. Uh, with your with your prominence, how how would you describe FinOps to someone who's who's not come across the term before? That is, that is a I also I like my prominence. Um, I'm going to use that <laughs> <laughs> every time I walk into a room. Uh, but yeah, this is actually a, this is a fantastic question. The timing of it is great because there is a, a large discussion about updating what does FinOps mean uh, in, inside the foundation and and. You know the original the original definition that was being used. Um, just it it's not aged. It's not aged with the practitioner group. Uh, uh, what we actually do, um, and 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 there's there's a drive to to really how how to boil it down to a better definition. The definition that I have made up completely by myself. Um, and and I still need to throw it out there to the community to to let them bat it around. It's extremely simple. It's the you know the thirty second elevator pitch is FinOps is using the cloud's transparency and cost variability to drive value in where you are, um, and that hopefully is 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 broad enough and inclusive enough that. You know, because it could be used in nonprofits, it could be used at companies for profit, it could be used, it could be used in your hobbies, it can be used in your life. You know, these are all these. Uh, you know, my wife will listen in now that we're in pandemic time and working from home a lot. My wife will listen into my phone calls and says, "You're just using adult skills," <laughs> and it's <laughs> like she's not wrong. She's she's not wrong. It's coherently applying adult skills. Um, to make sure the decisions and actions you're making are driving towards the right outcomes. Um, I, I think the transparency of the cloud is something that doesn't necessarily get the most attention, which is ironic because it's transparent. Uh, and, but I think that is a huge power uh, of the cloud. Um, but the, to, to our earlier point, the variable cost model is the thing that makes everyone the most nervous because it is that double-edged sword. Uh, but I think if you can combine those two things, you can really do a lot of good value 
to your to whatever you're doing. It's a great observation about transparency. And just for the record, my wife never accuses me of using adult skills. I'm not sure why that is. <laughs> <laughs> I, so that transparency is a yeah, it's a really interesting point where the level of detail you can get uh, and that visibility of why your costs are the way you are, they are like it's all there, but it it's sometimes there for large organizations in billions of rows of data written out in your uh uh, your cost and usage reports, uh, and as such, like for some people, it's not transparent. Like they're flooded by detail that's incredibly hard to understand and see the wood for the trees. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, how how do people get to the point where it is transparent, where they can understand like what their cloud costs really mean? This is where, if you're in a large organization, especially. Um, and you have multiple different, maybe you have different departments, different business lines. I have two completely different sort of products that don't really intermingle, but like this is where a, a centralized FinOps team can really help. Uh, it, one of the, like, so uh, the FinOps process is a three-step process. One is be informed. Two is find the optimization opportunities. And three is execute uh, operational improvement and repeat. Um, and, and that step one, I think, is if you get step one right, um, the next two become a lot easier. So how do you, how do you get informed in, a, in an avalanche of data uh, that may or may not be applicable to you. And, th and that's where a centralized FinOps team can really help. Um, you know, I, I, there's, there's data, um, and then you can turn that data into information by having an, uh, an, an organized account structure, right? So if, hey, I'm in this account, and this account is either my, maybe it's my environment, maybe it's my production, my test, my dev, Maybe it's my application. What is what is the meaning of the account or or folder, whatever your your cloud provider is? Um, is, is that meaningful to you? Um, then there's tags or labels. Um, that's the next step. You start turning that that information, the data into information, into to insights of like, hey, using a tagging policy, um, you can identify. Uh, types of resources, names of, of resources, what is the application, who owns the application. And then you can continue building on layers of, of very specific information to your company or your, your place of business that is, you know, like, hey, this, this is my department, the application's running in the department that's specific to my business line. And all of a sudden you start building in all this metadata uh, and it becomes a story. It becomes a meaningful story, and you're able to focus in on the parts that are specific, easily identifiable, and specific to what you need. That's a great point. Um, but the the injection or the discovery of meaning in the raw data is is it's very much like a, a general BI problem at this point. We've got this data, but how do we get meaningful, actionable insights out of it? That's fascinating. And in, interestingly, you know, it's what what we found is. It's not the size of the bill that is the problem in many cases. It's the shape or the timing of these expenses, the way they come in. Um, the finance team no longer has to pre-approve things. Um, it's variable, like we mentioned before. The cost isn't necessarily predictable, and it's not being incurred in a centralized way. We've suddenly empowered development and engineering teams with the company credit card 
right. quote, unquote, unquote. And this, you know, this really puts the willies up um, traditional procurement people. Um, so, I, yeah, I think I think on off the back of that, you know, it, it is difficult to understand why the numbers come out the way they are, um, which often leads the higher ups to panic, to have that knee jerk reaction, which we, we jokingly refer to as a fin oops moment <laughs> where suddenly there's a, an edict a mandate from on high fix the bill fix the bill it's just pure, pure concern about cost not value but cost um so i don't know there's a question there's not even a question no there is a question there <laughs> what do you do a... like i i i mean i absolutely i i absolutely have seen this um because when if you're doing finops like finops can lead you is supposed to be leading you towards driving value, but um, telling that to an executive who is in charge of of uh, the bottom line and may, and has a million different um, things that they need to juggle and prioritize, uh, it you know they they like the story, but their number one concern going into the cloud is help me control my cost so it doesn't go out of, out of... So cost control, while not the ultimate goal of FinOps, is often the entryway to FinOps. Um, and, and if honestly, if you can't uh, perform or show a form of cost control, you will receive no credibility to get to the point where you are showing where the value is being created. Yeah. Um, so in order to do that, you really... This is where you need to... Uh, Collaborate. This is where all the collaboration comes in. So you need your finance folks, your procurement folks, your your engineers. If, if you have a centralized cloud governance, so, so who who's in charge of what is provisioned, like what is able to be provisioned in your enterprise? Hopefully, I mean the wild wild west is awesome, and there's always the engineers like wait 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 no I should have a hundred percent autonomy and freedom. Um, and maybe maybe in your own personal life, but when <laughs> when there are customers on the other end, there needs to be some form of guidance or governance of what is allowed for that company because the customer is is the one who incurs the cost at the end of the day. Um, so you know, and this is where automated cost control, like say, hey, you you can do these things. However, we will automatically scan for idle resources. We will automatically scan for unattached DBS volumes and we will automatically clean up these problems so that there are, you start putting guardrails out there. Like you, you engineers, you can play in this area, but you know, here's, here's the safety rails to make sure that uh, we have financial control over that. Um, and then also having that tagging and account structure strategy really creates that wide visibility. Um, and training your finance folks to to go from looking at monthly monthly Excel files to real time data information and say, hey, you can get an anomaly alert if all of a sudden there's a sudden spend spike. Um, being notified within 24 hours is far better than being notified a month later or a quarter later uh, when when you're closing the books. Um, so you know. You start getting that attention, and then people can start having questions. And and and, and there there is no stupid question uh, in in FinOps, not yet at least. Um, we'll get there. But like like saying, "Hey, what is this?" is still the best question uh, in FinOps that that anyone can ask. It, when in doubt, just ask, "Hey, what is this?" Uh, because there there's usually a story behind it and understanding. And and if you can get to what that story is. Um, 
you know, one of my fa- my favorite examples is uh, all of a sudden we had this large years ago we had this large spike in redshift uh, spend increase, and what the engineer uh, did was increase the size of the redshift cluster because they wanted to to generate a report faster for an executive, and the executive loved how fast they were able to get that report uh, printed out. Um, but then they got the bill, and we're like, well, that bill for that report that, that increase in your bill was was directly attributable attributed to that report that was generated and the executive was like well i don't need the report that fast <laughs> and so then you're like okay well let's shrink it back down and you know we get it a few hours later and or a day later and uh you know then that's a finops moment right you're, you're making a transaction that's not as it's not that report was not so valuable that i he needed to pay xyz amount of dollars for it yeah, I love that. I love that. And we we talk about FinOps from time to time, as I'm sure you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that we talk about is this this disconnect between the different parties, the different stakeholders. And in most cases that we've seen, the engineers understand the value of the shiny tools. They understand what they get out of using a service or a compute resource of a given size. They like the shiny, but they don't necessarily care. They're not incentivized to care about the costs. And conversely, the business side of the house cares about the costs, but they maybe don't fully understand the value. Um, and I think that's a great example of actually tying something very concretely, a cost on the bill to a very specific thing that was requested slash not requested by the executive. Right. Um, and there was a mismatch between cost and value. I think that's that's a great FinOps anecdote. I'm you start ste- crossing I'm through all the it, Joe. I'm going to steal it. Go ahead. All my stuff's stolen. It's good. <laughs> So I think it's also interesting how different companies have completely different priorities. I was talking to a large successful company recently, so they're very profitable. And for them, like they're not really controlling their cloud costs. And frankly, they don't care because they're being profitable and because the risk of, say, an hour's downtime for them would cost them many millions of dollars. Uh, so they're willing to kind of, frankly, throw money at excessive performance testing and testing every uh, pull request that comes in in really inefficient manners and so on. And as such, like developers, there's no incentivization at all to control the costs. Now, I suspect that actually under the covers, this is because of a, um, a creeping increase in the bill and the there's never been that panic point uh, it's increased as the companies become more successful uh, and they don't realize how much they could save. But yeah, that kind of risk judgment of going, uh, if we do try to decrease a bill, might we cause an outage or uh, are we going to distract our developers from uh, more valuable work? It's Yeah, it is a really hard judgment call for uh, to get the, the right balance uh, unless you can actually have that uh, FinOps communication across the organization for deciding how do we prioritize these cost reductions versus feature development uh, high availability versus uh, cost. Uh, it's all trade-offs. Uh, absolutely. There, I mean, and that's a beautiful, it's a beautiful world that company is living in. Uh, but I mean, it's so important to understand where is the revenue, how is the revenue generated for your company? And if it's based off transactions through this application, well, by all means, keep that applications running as fast and smoothly, giving you the best customer experience as possible because that is driving the cash in the door. Um, there are other applications that are, are 
are more transactional, monthly transactional applications that are not customer facing, but are needed to, they're needed for the nuts and bolts of, of day-to-day operations. You know, those, those don't necessarily need the highest uh, performance, highest uptime, um, perhaps, you know, it's all relative to context of companies. So maybe you can run on a more efficient platform there. It's, it's about being able to make a choice being able to make that choice rather than treating everything as a, if everything is important, nothing is important. Understanding what is important to your company, what drives the value, putting your money there um, and not necessarily not investing in, in other applications, but putting, having a priority of how you spend your money. Yep, absolutely. And there's some great practices that FinOps Foundation uh, writes about and encourages for this. Um, but for people who aren't in the foundation, they aren't actually uh, say reading the FinOps book or, or getting involved in that. Like for starters, who should get involved and how? Oh my goodness. I was, so uh, it's a, it's, it's been completely natural and a no brainer for um, engineers to get involved. Uh, they, they, I mean, engineers love a good foundation uh, and they'll they'll join any of them, uh, and that's me teasing engineers. They they're lovely people. Uh, then what we're starting, what often the next group of people will get, because um, there's a lot of companies uh, are not born in the cloud. They're not so lucky. They they do a cloud migration, and usually the bill goes to maybe a program manager of that migration, and then the program manager. Uh, gets is accountable to pay the bill and respond to the bill, and then that's they just fell into FinOps, right? Uh, and but and, and so they join next. What I would love to see more is for folks in finance departments um, to to join procurement professionals. Actually, uh, Anders Anders Hogman uh, from Spotify is, is a procurement professional. Just joined our technical advisory council because uh, procurement is a huge huge part of public cloud because. When you're in the public cloud, every engineer has just become a procurement professional. Uh, so, so like more procurement, I would love to see all these groups. If you, if you get a cloud bill, if you're operating, if your application is in the cloud, you have every right and are welcome uh, in the FinOps Foundation. And, you, and there's a million different resources from, like you, you pointed out a lot of those, the FinOps Foundation themselves, uh, joining the Slack channel, getting certified. Uh, there's trainings, multiple different trainings available and certifications available. The book, FinOps book. Uh, there's a few other books out there as well. Internet is a wash uh, with FinOps. Great podcasts like Cloudy with a Chance of Brain you can listen to with, with <laughs> great guests. Uh, there's so many resources out there. And there's no real secret to starting. There's no prerequisite. It's just you got to start um, and, and continue to iterate and, and get better. Totally agree. Any, anything is better than nothing. And you learn, exactly. as, as with most disciplines in this space, you learn by doing and then you improve by iterating in a reflective way. I think that's spot on. Absolutely. Just, just one more encouragement uh, there is, is don't wait to be an expert because the cloud technologies are moving so fast. Um, <laughs> the, the, the technologies that I, was, I became an expert in are, are now pretty much obsolete and basic. Uh, so just get really friendly with, with searching uh, l- let me Google that for you. Like, you know, if there's a new service that's coming out, you gotta just learn it because it's it's gonna be uh, th- it's gonna be nonstop new technologies. Uh, how do they work? How do they get tagged? How is the expense generated? 
uh, and, and how is it being used in your environment? Um, so the, those are those are all the questions. It's just a bunch of questions you got to ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The inquiring mind. I love it. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's also a nice segue though to start talking about the practicalities of of cost management, cost visibility, cost reduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, how should people identify where to spend their efforts on this space? How 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 do you begin this practice, this discipline? Uh, just like I said, it starts with looking, right? You start looking, then you start asking questions. Then go for the easy stuff first. Get your confidence up. The, the hey, there's this is completely idle. This had no traffic. Um, think we can shut it down? Yep, we can shut it down. That's great. Um, uh, then, then, you know, you're, a lot of this when you're starting is manual work, right? But that doesn't scale. Manual doesn't scale when it gets larger. Um, so get, you know, automating the easy stuff. So, you know, nightly shutdowns, evening shutdown times, if, if that's applicable, weekend shutdown times, pay, paying for like eight to 12 hours a day is better than paying for 12, 24 hours a day. Making sure, you, making sure you have great visibility into your consumption and how the expenses are generated there. And then generating those stories, learning those stories of how it's being used because, um, if you're on EC2, can you go to a container uh, sort of compute? Uh, because that that is pretty darn efficient. I, I still seem to. I, I'm completely baffled by Kubernetes. It, it, it's smarter. Kubernetes is smarter than my brain, uh, but I can understand the results I see out of Kubernetes, and I it's amazing. Um, so you know. It, like I'm giving you, I'm giving you all sorts of examples of things you can do, uh, and it requires it requires collaboration. If, if you hate working with people and you hate talking to people, FinOps is going to be tough for you, um, because there's so many different specialties that are, that need to be involved in those conversations, from engineering to procurement to finance uh, to the business themselves. Um, it it uh, all those voices need to be be collected and included. And, and the decisions that you find. Wow, hates talking to people. Are you teasing? Are you teasing the engineers again? Come on, <laughs> just just you wait till I get started on teasing accountants. <laughs> <laughs> sticking, <laughs> sticking with specifics, uh, I'll mm-hmm. jump ahead and ask at nationwide again, US nationwide. Yes, what has the the, the cloud slash FinOps adoption journey been like? Um, how how did you guys approach it? What problems did you encounter? And is there anything to to watch out for, or any any shortcuts that you can offer? Easy easy shortcuts. Well, I mean, when you when you first start, we started our our migration program three years ago, uh, I believe it was now. Uh, and so when we opened up our cloud accounts, we had a, we we developed our cloud team is just completely world class. I, I was. I was, when I joined uh, the team, I was completely blown away um, by what we've developed. Uh, and we opened up the doors and we started throwing uh, cloud migration parties. And the, you can find these videos on LinkedIn. We had smoke machines and brought in pizza and monster energy drinks. And, and we had, uh, you know, subject matter experts there to help app teams as they, you know, for three days, they just worked towards migrating their application to the cloud. Um, and that was really fun. And we got tremendous uh, amount of work uh, done and applications migrated. Um, there was a shortcoming to that. There, the, 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 
the pro was we built a tremendous culture. We got results. Um, and our early adopters loved it and became advocates for us. The short side of that is when you have a business case, there are value propositions you have to deliver towards. And it's everyone go doesn't necessarily nail those value propositions. So that was something we learned in year two, uh, which was accelerated by the, the landing of a global pandemic. And, and we ha- so we, we couldn't get everyone in the room because that's just a really bad idea. And, and so we started doing a more methodical like assessment. It turned into this diagnostic process for each application. Um, and I know I'm here to talk about FinOps, but uh, there are other aspects of, of technology in the cloud from operations, DevOps, to security, SecOps, um, that uh, need to be addressed by uh, holistically together um, uh, along with FinOps as we migrate to the cloud. Um, so that became very, very beneficial because while we did go slower, we did it with a better understanding of exactly what we were migrating, what needed to be done, what was the proper path in order to maybe modernize some aspects of an application or ensure that we had the best level of security um, in the appropriate operations for the team. The team was operationally ready to, to manage an application in the cloud. Um, we're able to like really give very specific guidance towards there. And because we had all that data, we were able to drive towards the value, make sure that we were hitting that value, making sure like, oh, you're on this platform on-prem. We'll make sure that all gets decommissioned. We can consolidate our on-prem footprint uh, so that we're getting our value out of there, um, that we're getting the best architecture that we can run in the cloud and that the team has the right skills to do it. Talking about that sort of business value of the the cloud migration really resonates for some of the conversations we've had with customers as well, where mm-hmm. it ranges from, you know, some of them going, well, we should go into the cloud because other people are there is fundamentally what it boils down to. And then they're really surprised that they do a cloud migration that's lift and shift and don't get the business benefits they expected. Uh, they're right. just treating it like another data center. Um, yeah, so to tackle all those problems of how do I improve my operations? How do I make sure it's secure? And yeah, there's a, a lot of things to do with doing cloud adoption. Right? Absolutely. The um, cloud isn't the cure on its own. Yeah. The cloud is the, the, the provider of opportunities in order to obtain more additional value. Um, taking, taking, taking something from here to there doesn't inherently make it uh, more valuable on its yeah. own. Mm-hmm. So coming back to the cost reduction, uh, so you gave some examples before of you know, some big things like say, shifting to containers, Kubernetes, like that's a, a big task. It's not a quick thing to re-architect an application. Uh, right. And then there's some other quicker wins that are probably going to have smaller savings. So you've talked before about this idea of mountains versus molehills. Mm-hmm. So do you want to say a bit more about that? Absolutely. So uh, yeah, and I, I was kind of touching on it without without calling this analogy exactly. So, when you first when you first are in the cloud and you have application teams running to the or migrating to the cloud, um, you are surrounded by lots of easy wins, um, uh, and and so like there's right sizing. Uh, everyone thinks they need a twenty four a twenty four XL EC two. Um, 
I, we all need 24XL EC2s running uh, 24-7, I mean, that, in a perfect world. However, in reality, our consumption of those 24XLs uh, leads more towards maybe a 2XL or just a large. Um, so there's those right-sizing opportunities, right? Um, those are your immediate things that you're going, you're going to find and see. Uh, so, you know, working with engineers to find, to creating automations, um, to grab each and every one of those easy things like right sizing or idle resources, uh, because there's going to be large things like you were pointing, like you just said, Kubernetes is a huge opportunity for a lot of applications. Um, but getting there is going to take a lot of work. Uh, it's complicated. There's going to be some re-architecture involved. Uh, do you have pipelines? If no, well, we're going to have to learn how to get you. You're going to have to learn pipelines and how to launch uh, your infrastructure through code. Um, but that's that's not going to happen tomorrow. So you, while we focus on that, have some sort of automation to take care of all those little opportunities that you can. Um, because if you're not scaling out your ability to address small opportunities, those molehills, you're never going to be able to get to the mountains. Good advice. Mm -hmm. So a couple of words that we've had in, in this conversation so far, and they're, they're words that are often confused, mm -hmm. um, are the words value and savings. So we've been, just been talking about savings cost reduction. How is mm -hmm. that different to the concept of value? Mm. So... And I'll even split split hairs a little bit further. Um, I I I say savings, and when I say savings, I'm often being lazy. Uh, cost avoidance. This is the finance guy. This is my finance background. All right. So savings means I can reduce your budget. So nobody. So so all your listeners stop saying savings. Um, <laughs> like there's cost avoidance, which is very valuable, but. Um, maybe not a type one benefit, you'll, it, it, a cost avoidance is avoidance of future expense. Savings is I have a budgeted line item here and I'm not going to incur this expense ever again. Remove, I can, I can safely remove this budgeted line item. So that, I mean, that's a, that's, that's a fine, fine point. And, and I've seen people, uh, get into trouble, you know, engineer, this is the two different worlds coming together, right? Finance and, and engineering. Um, so uh, you and I understand what we say when, when we interchange savings and cost avoidance, but that's a fine point for folks uh, working with, with finance folks. Um, value. Uh, so then driving towards value. Um, Value can mean different things for different for different people in different companies. Uh, like we were pointing, we were talking earlier about um, the company that is generating a lot of cash flow, and it's extremely valuable to keep that cash flow coming in. Right, that's super important. Um, or let me give a great example uh, from Nationwide's perspective. A let's say a hurricane comes through or a forest fire happens. Right. We need, people need to, people are going to be processing uh, insurance claims um, because they've had a disaster. They need that cash infusion back in their life to get them back up and running, right? That's our customer. Um, it's, it would be very poor 
timing for me to go and ask our claims team to turn off their servers this weekend. Um, they need all like our, our customers in need. The point of our business existing is, is that is that weekend. And we need to process those claims and get cash in our, get our cash in our customers' hands so that their lives can get stood back up. That's extremely valuable to us. Right. Um, so that there's time and place for, for, there's a time and place for performance, for execution, and for savings, um, and it's all unique to the specifics of your company. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna win any awards for my company. In fact, I'll probably be fired for saving money in our claims department during the time of a hurricane. Uh, you know, we need it's it, it's it's uh, we need to make sure you. A good way to put this popped in my head as I'm telling my stories, which is how I think. Uh, is value is in the eye of your customer. What is what is your customer in business with you for? That is valuable, and that is is should be your north star. Beautiful. Nice. Yep. Uh, so coming back to one of the other things we talked about before, Alistair used the term finoops. So some of those are mistakes that people make uh, as mm-hmm. one-off things, uh, whereas other times they're perhaps just people using the wrong practices like not talking to each other enough or uh, not sharing the bill with the engineering team. Um, so what other kind of anti-patterns do you think are, are out there that people should watch out for and avoid? I, I love this question, uh, Elad. Um, I, w- I was actually just thinking about this this last week and, and I didn't think of it in terms of anti-patterns, but it totally, it totally makes sense. Um, so yeah, like one, not being informed, like all the things you just listed are anti-patterns, not being informed, not having a tagging strategy. If you're in the cloud and you're, you somehow don't have a tagging strategy and you somehow thought to listen to a podcast like this, you just fell backwards into the number one advice. Make sure you have a tagging strategy. Make sure there's some sort of organization to your, to your cloud environment. Um, but I, I mean, what are other anti-patterns? I'll, I'll, I'll make a hot take right here and say uh, not everything is for the cloud. Um, I had an old boss who used the term craplications. Uh, like there, there are just some things that don't fit in the cloud, right? Perhaps all your engineers quit five years ago and nobody knows how the application actually works anymore. Don't move that to the cloud yet. Um, would rebooting a server create a weekend of outages don't move to the cloud yet <laughs> like make sure make sure your application um, is stable make sure you own your dependencies know what your application is dependent on uh, and make sure you're you know how does your application work if you know all that stuff you can safely go into a cloud and have and apply FinOps practices, and you'll be extremely successful. Um, however, if the thought of a server reboot is giving you nightmares, it, now's not the time for you. Uh, <laughs> you know, assess later. <laughs> so, yeah. I think I think we're in agreement on that. You know, it, the cloud is not always the right answer. Um, we see this you know, sometimes. It's very important where a workload runs. In the manufacturing industry, it's, it's often very important to have processes that are running near the manufacturing plant or in the mine or wherever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, you know, in the financial services and banking and capital market space, those mainframes aren't going anywhere. 
Uh, so they they still exist in the data center for a reason. They're solving really hard problems really well. So yeah, there's no universal move to the cloud mantra coming from us. Um, run things run things in the right place at the right scale in the right way, um, and use the cloud as a toolbox, like you've already said. Love it. Absolutely, because we we don't need any more we don't need any more internet hot takes about uh, moving out of the cloud. It's Use the cloud appropriately, and you will have immense value. Likewise, use mainframes appropriately, and you will have immense value. <laughs> like, use the right tool for the right job. Here, here. Great stuff. Well, this has all been fascinating, but uh, I did want to ask you before we finish, Joe, I, I hear a rumor that you, you've recently written a blog post about a FinOps playlist. Absolutely. I, 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 have, uh, I, have, I have two passions in life. Uh, well, I guess maybe more. Um, FinOps and playlists, those are just two of my passions. And, and so I, I like making playlists. I love listening to music. Um, <laughs> and it, what's funny here is I wanted to create a playlist for, for you both uh, based on the worldwide phenomenon, Scottish rock group, the Proclaimers. Um, and I like to come up with at least five songs but I'll be honest, uh, Alistair and Alad, um, I love the Scottish voice. I love listening to you both talk. Scottish people yelling, hilarious. I love listening to that too. <laughs> Scottish people singing, it was, there were some hit or misses in this uh, group. I did, I got three. I got three. So my, my uh, uh, I'll start with Throw the R Away, uh, which is about the Scottish accent, singing. <laughs> Thinking about how, hey, I'm Scottish. I got to talk. Got to talk with this accent. Um, I'm going to be the 500 mile song. It's the song everybody in the world knows. It's about you yeah. know, a Scottish man's stubbornness of avoiding every other form of transportation and insisting on walking 500 <laughs> miles. And 500 uh, more. Don't and 500 plus 500 more because you got to go back. <laughs> don't, ask, um, don't underestimate us. <laughs> <laughs> and then my absolute, this is actually my favorite, uh, is There's a Touch. I think that's a fantastic song. Has enough talking and yelling with just a little bit of singing. Uh, that's Proclaimers at their best. It's the perfect balance. Excellent. Well, we enjoyed this very much. You, you're remarkably entertaining for an accountant. Ah, there we go. There we go. Feel the burn. That's, that burn, Joe. That's rough. No, we've, we've loved having you on, Joe. It's been great chatting. Uh, loved your insights. And uh, all that remains is for me to thank you very much for joining us today, uh, to wish you well, and to ask our listeners to tune in next time for the next episode of Cloudy with a Chance of Brain. Thank you very much, Joe. Thank you. Thanks.